the blast from our past network. Captain of the Enterprise. That's right. Close to retirement? I'm not planning on it. Let me tell you something. Don't. Don't let them promote you. Don't let them transfer you. Don't let them do anything that takes you off the bridge of that ship, because while you're there, you can make a difference. Come back with me. Help me stop Soren. Make a difference again. Who am I to argue with the captain of the Enterprise? What's the name of that planet? Viridian 3? Yes. I take it the odds are against us and the situation is grim. You could say that. You know, if Spock were here, he'd say that I was an irrational, illogical human being for taking on a mission like that. Sounds like fun. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. Today, we're continuing to go through the Star Trek movies. We are at number seven, where a huge shift happens as the cast of The Next Generation are introduced into the movies. Co-host Dean is here. Dean, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, Tim. Really excited to get to uh, another Star Trek movie. It's been a while for us, so uh, pretty pumped about this. Yep, it's been a while. Um, We're going to jump back into it. I think the hesitation was there because I feel like they're starting to get maybe worse. That was my thought. Maybe they're going to start getting worse. That's that didn't end up being the case. Yeah, you were wrong. You yeah, were was, wrong on that wrong. one, at least on this movie. Whoops. Yeah, it's okay. It's all good. My yeah. bad. I have reasoning for that though. I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, I under, I, I understand the hesitation, even just because of the switch. You know, the switch and the crew. I get it. So, um, but yeah, awesome that we jump back in. The switch was great. It's exactly what the franchise needed. <laughs> it was like, amazing. It needed some new blood. <laughs> Yeah, I love everybody on this crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, this movie comes out late in 94, and the seven-year run of The Next Generation ended in May of the same year. So this would have been quite exciting for fans of the series that get to see the crew back together again after that series had ended. Okay, yeah, fun. Now, this was a Saturday afternoon special for me, Dean. Uh, this was my first time actually like putting in a disc and watching this movie start to finish. For some reason, I thought I had never actually even seen this movie before. Okay. And I'm like, oh, wait till Dean hears this. And then I started watching it. I'm like, oh, no, I know everything about this movie. Right. But for, for me, like the early movies in this franchise, like number one, number two, um, maybe not number three, but definitely number four. Those movies I know inside out. Right. Some of the other ones, like number three, four, five, you know, six, getting into this one, number seven as well. They were all movies that I just caught on Saturday afternoon on the couch. And their storylines 
just became one big mass of a movie for me. So I, I, I can couldn't get tell that, yeah. you what part of what movie was from what number. It, it just all yeah. blended together. So it's been fun going through these again and seeing, oh, okay, this is actually this movie and all of these scenes are from this one movie. So there was stuff in here, you know, I could have said, oh, half of this stuff happened in another movie, you know, but but it didn't. So that's, yeah, that's just why I was a bit, uh, that's why I thought this was going to be kind of poor and it was going to start to degrade in quality because right. in my mind, maybe I just thought some of the bad scenes from other movies, I put them all, I put them all on this movie. I'm like, this is, yeah. they all belong here, but that's not the case. So it's good for me to be going through this franchise so I can put these movies in their place and give them the true, um, just give them the respect that they deserve. Yeah. You can separate them in your head, separate the storylines. So you know exactly the ones that you like and what you like about it. Um, because I can definitely see how this one could have ran into other ones. If you watched them just like, yeah, on a Saturday afternoon, they have, it kind of feels similar to some other ones, except I think maybe better than some of those other ones. Um, but we'll get to that. Yeah. It's, uh, that's good. It's good, Tim. This is a good journey you're on. Yeah. And like on Saturday afternoon, if they're doing a marathon or they're playing two or three in a row and I watch like half an hour and then I go outside for a bit, then I come back in. Yeah. I don't even know that the movie's changed. It's just right. the same movie for <laughs> exactly. me. Yeah. More the same. So, yeah. Right. Well, here's a quick synopsis. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise D joins forces with Captain James T. Kirk to stop the villain Tolian Saran from destroying a planetary system in his attempt to return to an extra-dimensional realm known as the Nexus. Sounds good to me? Sounds great. As I mentioned, released in 1994 with a budget of $35 million, which actually seems low to me. Hmm. Uh, this film would gross 118, which makes it higher than the previous two movies uh, had made in their gross. Okay, yeah. Um, I get I get to get what you're saying with the 35. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good looking things in this movie, you know. So, but 35, I guess, is kind of still kind of big in in the 90s. Um, but you got a lot yeah. of big actors to pay as well yeah, you got a lot of exactly you got a lot of big actors to pay you got a lot of stuff that looks really good a lot of like a lot of stunts a lot of uh cg that looks great yeah um that yeah it's true i i would say that they stretched that 35 mil pretty far yeah yeah this was directed by a david carson and this would be his first feature film but he had already directed several episodes of the next generation and deep space nine so okay he knew he knew what to do for sure. Written by Ronald D. Moore and Brannon Braga. And Dean, those are a couple of big names in in the Star Trek world. Whenever I see an episode and I see one of those guys' names on it, you know, I put my seatbelt on because I'm in for a ride. I always okay, love cool. seeing their name come up at the beginning because you're going to get something a little bit better than anybody else. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So they've, they've obviously written many episodes throughout the Star Trek uh, different series. Music by Dennis McCarthy. He worked on Disney's Aladdin and The Scorpion King. He also worked on a number of episodes across the Star Trek series. And he even won an Emmy for his work on Deep Space Nine, which is cool. Okay. Yeah, it is cool. It makes sense. This music is uh, great. I loved it in this movie. Yeah, it was totally fine. They, yeah. Sometimes in movies, 
I'll notice the music, like it'll stand out and that makes it great. But also times I won't notice the music and it won't stand out, but that also makes it great because it's not really yeah. getting in the way. Sometimes music should get in the way and it should make you feel something, but also it should be there, but not be the focus. Like it should just kind of like move aside and let other things happen. And I, I feel like that's what was happening in this movie for me, at least. Yeah, no, I get that. It, it was it was moments where we would be in the middle of something and then I'd just be like, actually think about the music and be like, oh, you know what? This music's great right now. Like this is, yeah, this is going really well. Um, so I get what you're saying that it's not like something that just like hits you right away. It didn't hit me like in the opening credits, but like throughout the movie in different scenes, I was pausing to be like, this is really good. This is, this is fitting nicely. Yeah, and that is, that is something that goes on in the Star Trek series. If you're watching the shows, the music is never in your face, but okay. it always is very, very supportive of what's going on. And it really, really fits. You know, it, it, it does accentuate what you're watching, but other than the intro music to the shows, you're never really, like, smacked in the face with any themes. So, Right, okay. I think this guy did a good job. But uh, yeah. he was the first Star Trek composer to work on both a TV and film project. Oh, okay. Cool. And for that, he received a promotion to Lieutenant Commander Dean. Oh, great. That's awesome. He deserved it. That was a Star Trek joke, Dean. Not everybody um, watches Star Trek. They might not get it. I bet there's people listening right now, 100%, that don't like Star Trek. Oh, for sure. I applaud you for listening. If, you, if you're not a fan in. of Star Trek, yeah, and you're going to sit through this one, we appreciate it. We promise you'll have fun. We'll make it fun for you. For sure. Cinematography by a John A. Alonzo. Now, he did Vanishing Point, Chinatown, and Scarface. Wow. So those were some weird movies for him to then be on a Star Trek film, I thought. Yeah. Those are movies. Those, those are, are good movies. A couple of those are, are movies. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen all those great movies. But, you know, the cinematography, I don't know. Maybe if I think back to those movies, feels kind of standard, like nothing too spectacular going on. I'd say the same about this movie. Cinematography, yeah, maybe not a strong point. It's fine, but nothing like really wild going on. Yeah, I'd agree. I point mean, nothing, and shoot for nothing, the most part. Nothing stood out to me. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that looked good, but it wasn't necessarily like the cinematography, you know? Like it wasn't necessarily yeah. that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was like a lot of stunts I really liked, but it was oh, like, yeah. you know, the stunts that were happening. So I, it's... I guess you put in the camera in the right spot to capture that stunt. But yeah, so I, it plays a part, I think, in, in this. It, it shows that, uh, you know, he was competent. You know, he was pretty good at it. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely wasn't the thing that stood out for me. Yeah, I think he was really good at like setting up the camera and putting it where yeah. it belongs. But yeah, no movement or, you know, panning no, or no, zooming no. or anything interesting yeah. or unique No tricky like stuff. That. No. Yeah. He just, he put the camera there. And he hit record, and then he went and smoked a cigarette off to the side. Yeah. And he just, like, let the and scene it was run great. out. Yeah, and it looked fine. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. He, des he deserved that cigarette. He knew where to put that camera. Yeah, yeah. He knows He knows. He knows what he can do, and he's working yeah, within his exactly. abilities. I salute him. Me too. Now, uh, just a couple of things to note before we get into the story. The writers initially wanted to pit the old crew versus the new crew. 
but they couldn't come up with a plausible explanation for why that would happen, so they had to abandon the idea. Which makes a ton of sense, but also, I think if you can put the old crew versus the new crew, you have one of the best movies in this franchise. Yeah, it would be fun. Um, I would be into it. It, the, I guess the hard part is who do you choose? You know, picking sides because you don't you want to make both sides look good, right? Like they're both they're both your franchise crews. So I I understand not being able to think of a story where they could do it where they both come out okay. But also, I'm with you. <laughs> I want to see it. I think that's like such a cop out though um, for them to say they couldn't come up with a story because we're living in a Star Trek world that has a holodeck. You could just literally go out and play a two-hour movie of these two crews fighting each other and end it as a holodeck simulation. And if you do it right, it doesn't feel cheap. Yeah. You could, it could, like, Kirk and Picard could walk out at the end and just be like, you know, that was a lot of fun. But, I mean, I, I do understand they live in, like, there's di- there are different timelines, right? So you'd have to figure yeah. something. Maybe that itself doesn't work, but you know what right. I'm saying. I think... Yeah, I think for there's, sure. I don't think they tried hard enough to figure out a way to make that yeah. work if they said we couldn't figure out a way to make that work because there's lots of ways to make that work, I think. Right. It might have just been like an initial thought and they're like, nah, let's do something else. We can't think of anything. They, yeah, maybe they didn't try very hard. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen. It would have been cool. Ship versus ship. In any fashion. Yeah. Ship, any fa- yeah. Even if it was like a training simulation for a bit of the movie, even just throw it in for fun. Yeah. I know who I would have been cheering for, too. Uh, you would have been cheering for Captain James T. Kirk. I th- would think so going into it, Tim. But after this movie, I think I'd be cheering for Picard. Picard swayed you. Well, he's in this movie a lot more, so. Yeah. Well, and I just like, we'll get to it. But I, I loved the crew. I really loved the crew of this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a great crew. I love yeah, all the great crews. Crew. I love all the crews yeah. of, of all the series. Well, no, that's not true. But. A lot. <laughs> I love a lot of them. Right. Yeah. And uh, one final thing, Dean. The film was promoted with merchandising tie-ins like toys, books, and games, and a website, which was a first for a major motion picture. Cool. That was that was an interesting fact. I actually that's w- awesome. I went and searched it out. You can still find it archived. Oh, nice. What a piece of shit. <laughs> well, of course. Dude, what year did you say this 94? movie was? 94? Wow. Yeah. Websites in 94 suck. Suck, yeah. Um, Almost unnavigatable. Yeah, you can't Just do about. that much in 94. Just about couldn't even find my way around. Amazing. I got to go on there and check it wow. out. Wow. It must have looked so great back in the day. Oh, yeah. I didn't know what I was looking at. You had Star Trek at your fingertips, Tim. Oh, it was cool. There were like buttons to watch... Uh, the preview i'm used to clicking cool. the, clicking the button it didn't work it was just like it was like right. it had ar- archived the pages but none of the videos yeah. were still like on a server anywhere right. or anything yeah which yeah. is fine but i click i'm used to clicking on a button and getting a preview i click on a button and then it takes me to a weird looking page that asks me like what resolution do you want to watch the video at and the okay. resolutions are like 177 by like 312 right like, can <laughs> Good we get stuff. a little can we get a little HD on this uh, trailer? <laughs> like 177 by 300. Oh, am I, fantastic. Am I, am I watching it on my Game Boy? <laughs> what are we doing here? Yes. Anyways, it was a lot of fun. 
I recommend checking yeah, it great. out. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta it's go a, to it. <laughs> it's a great walk down memory lane. Yeah. All right. So we start off the movie. We see a bottle of champagne floating through space. It smashes on a brand new Enterprise. Yeah. So I'm going to go full science, Tim, here, because that liquid flies out like there's gravity, even though there isn't. So yep. early miss right here. Early miss. I really thought this was like a message in a bottle scenario. So I did like that it kind of tricked me. I was like, ooh, this is definitely like a a message in a bottle that's going to be sent and picked up by someone. And for some, they're doing like the ship at sea thing. They are doing a ship at, like they, they are. are doing a ship thing, yeah. but it was the different ship thing than I thought. It was like the christening of the new, the new ship. So I did like that when it hit and exploded or whatever, I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. I, I found that humorous and funny, uh, but you're right. Science. Tim is right. The laws of science are not being obeyed here. No, not a hard thing to obey either. I mean, it's Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> Yeah. Like, the majority of this movie took place in space. Possibly It's your thing. The entire movie took place in space. Yeah. Where there it's is kinda your thing. There is no gravity. Yeah. <laughs> so right off the bat, you show us that you don't understand that. You don't or even know that. <laughs> didn't have an extra five hundred dollars yeah. to slow down the animation of the champagne. You just yeah. you freeze it, right? It, it it break it apart and even just hit pause as it comes out. As it starts to splash, just hit pause and leave it there. And we're like, oh, it froze. Cool. Great. That yeah. was cool. But no, it just like goes everywhere. No. Okay, that's enough of my rant for now. Yeah. No wonder they couldn't think of how to pit the two the two crews against each other. They couldn't even figure True. out gravity in space. True. Yeah. They're like, can we, uh, how do we, uh, what would make sense for these crews fighting each other? Uh, I don't know. Hey, I've got a great idea for an opening scene, though. <laughs> let's smash a bottle of champagne on the ship. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Get it. Get it on film. Let's, start Let's go from there. Yeah. Can we have some horseback riding in the movie as well, please? Hell yes. Let's Hell piss yes. Tim off with horseback riding oh, in another Star Trek it. movie. Let's do that. Let's into it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, we'll wait for that. We'll get there. So Captain Kirk, Chekhov, and Scotty, who are all now retired, are invited on board the Enterprise to tour the new ship. They meet Sulu's daughter, who's all grown up and will be stationed on the ship. And this gets Kirk feeling bummed out, Dean, about mm. how old he is and that he never yeah. had a family. Yeah, he's got he's got problems with this. <laughs> that touched a nerve. <laughs> yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, man, that would have been a great part to just insert some really sad music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that would have been It's nice. just something that's like been with him throughout these movies, getting old. Like even just Wrath of Khan was about him getting old. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like <laughs> so many years ago. He's and so old. He's so old now. That was, it was, it was so many years later. They're still playing up that he's sad that he's old. And I like it. I eat it up. He's got so much makeup on. It's great. Oh my God. Oh, talk about Chekhov's got so much makeup <laughs> oh, yeah, on. Man. Chekhov, that, he yeah. looks scary. Talk what are they makeup. doing to his face? <laughs> yeah, they went heavy on the eyeliner with him. Heavy. Yeah. Well, Alan Ruck is the captain of the ship. I can't picture him as anything else ever other than Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's impossible. Yes. He, he captained. We were... So go ahead. We were sitting here, like me and my wife were sitting there watching it, and she's like, "Oh, that's the guy from Ferris Bueller." And like, we don't, we don't really like Ferris Bueller that much, so we don't watch it really ever. You haven't even seen it, have you? I've seen it, but like, I didn't like it when I was a teen. So, like, we 
we've never watched it together. And she's like, yeah, his name's Cameron. <laughs> and she's like, how do I know that? Why do I know that? It's because that's all Alan Ruck is. He's Cameron. Totally. Uh, he definitely captained this ship like Cameron would, though. That's what was interesting is they carried the Cameron character into this. They just gave Cameron a captain, a captain's yeah. uh, seat. I liked it. Yeah. That uh, was, yeah, pretty good. Now they immediately get a distress call and they go to check it out, even though this ship doesn't have a full crew complement and many things are still unfinished on the ship. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, which was hilarious. Yeah. Now they get to the distress call and we see a weird anomaly that looks like an energy ribbon. And I thought this looked really good. The effects of this oh, ribbon, yeah. I was totally down oh, with yeah. that. Very cool. Yeah. We see two ships are stuck in that ribbon, but the Enterprise doesn't have a tractor beam to pull them out. The tractor beam will arrive on Tuesday. In fact, many things are not scheduled to arrive until <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Great. They are without the tractor beam. They are without torpedoes. And they are without a medical staff. So I thought <laughs> that was guess. very Tuesday. funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's his line. So yeah, let me guess. They're here coming Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> I really like this because in one of the previous movies, they um, they get that Enterprise that's also new. And it's kind of like right. nothing's really working. Everything is malfunctioning. It made for a lot of fun. So even though they didn't yeah. do too much with it in this movie, I always like the touch that the new ship kind of sucks. It's like you kind of got to like... You almost got to like break it in like a new shoe. Like when you put new shoes on, they don't really fit yeah. all that great. Then you wear them for a bit and it kind of like molds to your foot. And that's what I feel like these new ships are, are like. So I really like that touch to kind of carry that on. Yeah. What I what I really liked is that like I'm watching this and I'm like, do they just do this for every ship? They bring on like <laughs> old member, like they bring yeah. on old members of yeah. the other crew and then they have cameras and they all take it like take it for a spin around the block together it's all pictures and video and smiles but then what something happened that they have to go fly to so i loved it it was like yeah nothing's ready we were just doing like a media media thing here we were yeah. just making a little commercial for everyone i loved it yeah great start yeah but uh because so many things are not working on the ship one of the ships in the ribbon blows up and mm, yeah. two, 265 people die. Shit. Yeah, shit. The next ship is about to blow up when Captain Cameron, who's clearly overwhelmed and just sucking. Oh, yeah. He asked, He finally asks Kirk for help. Like, we're all waiting for it. We're like, why don't you just ask Kirk for help? You're terrible. He's here. Yeah, he's right beside you. Like, you're terrible. He's amazing. You clearly don't <laughs> want to be doing this. You don't even know what yeah. to do. Like, are you scheduled to be here Tuesday? Are you not even here right now? Exactly. What are you, a hologram? Yeah, exactly. Is your manual for the ship coming Tuesday? Like, yeah. what's going on? You don't know how to do anything. Yeah. Is your, Did you uh, pass your exam, your final exam? Maybe your marks are coming in on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Half, I'm going to tell you. Your, your diploma's coming on Tuesday? Yeah. Or more, li more likely, your pink slip is coming on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're being fired on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, uh, Kirk, when he hears his name... He perks up like a dog about to get a bone. He's oh, like, yeah. Me? He loves it. Me? Oh, yes. He jumps right into action. He beams the crew of the second ship on board. Uh, cool thing here. I noticed that Tim Russ is here. He's one of the characters. He has a few speaking lines. He plays Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. And okay. I, I had the pleasure of meeting him before. Uh, cool. I've got a signed picture right here in my studio, Dean. I'm looking right at it. Nice. Very, very nice guy. Uh, he's a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. Um, oh, cool. I was gushing to him over how many times I've gone through the Voyager 
fr- uh, series. And he's like, oh, I, I, I completely feel you. I'm the same way with Twilight Zone. He's seen cool. the whole series, I don't know, 10 or 12 times. So Amazing. Really nice guy, though. As are all of the members of Voyager, at least. Those are the ones that I've met, but they're all so nice. Yeah. Just Each one I met was nicer than the next. It was just great. Awesome. Now, Enterprise is able to beam 47 of the 150 crew out before the second ship blows up. Shit. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a big loss right at the beginning of the movie here. It's not really working out. No. This spin around the block was not, maybe not a good idea. I mean, no, maybe it was a good idea. They saved 40, 47. They got you know, 47. If they, didn't, if, they weren't, if they weren't spinning around the block, everyone would have died. If that second ship blows up, the movie ends right there. They just put up the end credits. Right, <laughs> yeah. I I did like that they failed in their mission because the ship wasn't up to up to spec. Yeah, you know, for sure. The, you you need your ship to be in working order, or else you're going to fail your mission. Yeah, definitely. Then the energy ribbon itself hits the Enterprise. We see one of the crew that was beamed over is very upset and screaming that he has to go back to his ship. Mm-hmm. And this was Malcolm McDowell playing Tolian Soran. He yeah. did a great job. Wow. Oh, I could watch excellent. that guy all day. Yeah, excellent. Always good. Um, he looked, for me, he looked really young. Um, Definitely. Because just for, like, knowing him from the Halloween remakes that he's in, um, which, I I mean, I don't like him in. But I, it's not him. It's just really the character sucks. But anyways, um, yeah, so he looked really young to me, even though, like, he's still old. You know, you could tell he's still old. He looks so yeah. young. It was almost hard. It was almost hard to, like, notice him at first it took me a little bit to be like oh that's malcolm mcdowell mm-hmm. yeah well he's so out of control dean that he has to be sedated yeah then we see Chekhov finds guinan who is a reoccurring character on the next generation i think she's in about 25 episodes okay cool. and I, I do believe this is her origin of how she came to be with starfleet i think okay. she gets rescued off this vessel and then she's now you know, part of Starfleet and, and ends up getting a place on um, Enterprise D. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So Kirk has to go deep into the ship to do something manually that helps them escape the ribbon. But in the process, the ribbon damages the ship. The hull is exposed and Kirk is apparently pulled out into space. Right. So that's kind of like our opening. Pretty big opening. A lot of stuff going on. But what do you think of that opening? Great. I, I, I love the opening. Um, it's uh, it's just a lot of action right away. You know, it, it like like I was saying, you kind of feel like you're in something that's, you know, not really going to be stakes are going to be too high. You know, you feel like you're in something that's just like, oh, OK, this is just like switching over the crew. You know, it's it's just a kind of nice thing. And then it gets right into it, gets right into something that's pretty serious. So um, in terms of like dragging me into the movie, I was in right away. Like right away, I was like, this is good. I'm into it. I'm excited for this movie. Yeah, it moves pretty fast. Yeah. The movie is two hours, maybe a little over two hours. I don't know that I'd complain that half an hour needed to be cut out. It's not not really that type of movie. I think it was pretty good. I think you could cut a bit of stuff out, but yeah, yeah. I mean... At this point, everything's moving very, very fast. Yep. So we go 78 years past that point in time 
to Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise pretending to be sailors in the 1800s out on the ocean. Now, I will never get over how goofy they all look here, Dean. Whenever I watch this scene, I feel great embarrassment. It's it's one of those scenes that it's awkward for me to watch because of how embarrassed uh-huh. I am. Uh-huh. So this was one that I forgot was actually in this movie. Yeah. I didn't remember if this was just an episode or what, but definitely when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, here's this again. And I start sweating. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. The part that's the most embarrassing for me to watch is like when they're reading like what what Worf's done when they're reading that out and they're like, you're standing standing trial for the crimes of being a great employee. <laughs> I was like, oh no. It's so dorky. <laughs> like, this is so dorky. But I kind of liked it as an introduction to the crew because I don't know anyone. And so it just sets the tone right away that like, okay, this might be kind of silly and some of them might be kind of silly. And then it, I open myself up to that uh, right away, you know? So if they're serious after this, that's fine. But if they're silly, I kind of knew it because they set it up. So I actually didn't mind it, even though at first I was like, wow, this is so dorky. Okay. That's a good take from someone who's, you know, not familiar with the next generation or their crew. So yeah, this is fresh. This is absolutely fresh to me. I don't know anybody. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know their vibes at all. Um, So this was, this was a really fun start for me. Cool. Well, the scene does have a very funny moment. Um, They're, I mean, they're obviously on the hollow deck, you know, that, 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 that much is obvious. Worf is out on a plank. They've made him walk the plank. And Riker tells the computer to remove the plank and Worf falls into the water and everyone's laughing uh, except Data because he doesn't get why it's funny. So Dr. Crusher comes over and tells him it was all in good fun. Don't worry about it. And that Data should be more spontaneous and live in the moment. So Data pushes Crusher into the water and I thought that was hilarious. I laughed. I laughed out loud because I forgot about it. Yes, and Tim. I was like, that's yes. great. That's a great, great use of spontaneity and fun data. You did exactly what she was saying, but nobody else thought it was funny. They all took it so fucking seriously. Yeah, it's so funny. I was I was with you, Tim. I was on Data's side. I thought this was hilarious. I've heard the name Data, obviously. I've seen pictures of Data. I don't know it. I don't know him. I don't know like what he's about. This was the best introduction to Data I could have asked for. I cheered, I laughed, I cheered, and I said, Data's my guy after this. This was awesome. It was great. Unfortunately, they don't do Data very good in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I realize that they're doing uh, probably doing something different with yeah. him. I was mm-hmm. still into him, and in like I still liked him in this movie, but I get that after that first part, he was doing a little bit something different than he probably was, was used to doing. Yeah. Now, the Enterprise here, they get a distress call from an observatory station, uh, which is a very nice segue to get them off that ship. Which yeah. <laughs> we all needed. Uh, Dumbass. <laughs> so they go to check out this observatory station. They beam a team over and find a bunch of people dead from an explosion, but they find Tolian Saran alive. Now, that's the guy that we saw on the last ship that got pulled over, and he's like, I got to get back to my yep. ship. Let me go. Yep. Now we see that Data's feeling bad about what he did to Crusher and decides now's the time to add a new emotion chip to his circuitry. So I do think this is a very, very interesting idea 
but I thought it was way overdone in the movie. Like yeah. they, they focused all of their energy in his character around this emotion chip. Now here's my problem with this. Um, I, I love Brent Spiner. I think he's a great actor, but he's not a comedic actor. So mm. I, I take him as more like wacky and weird. And that's what comes across when he's trying to do humor for me is it comes across right. as really weird and really wacky and a little bit uncomfortable because it's not really his groove. So that's what didn't really work for me along with the fact of how much they leaned into like him having these emotions and not being able to control his emotions to the point where he like can't even walk anymore. He's just so overcome with these emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. Um, I, 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 when I was watching it, I was like, this is probably a little bit too much for a lot of people. I was okay with it. Like I felt, I felt fine with it maybe because I haven't seen data before, but still the data at the beginning was the best. Like I was still like, I'm okay with this and I, I don't mind it, but nothing is reaching that level of when I first got introduced to him. Like it feels like that's kind of going away a bit. Um, but there were, I would say there was like hits and misses with this emotion thing. And so when it hit, I was kind of like giving extra rope and being like, okay, yeah, it, it's okay. You can make a couple mistakes with this emotion stuff because you're hitting every now and then. I think they could do it just a little bit more subtle. I and, think you're right. And yeah. it hits a bit better. I don't think yeah. it has to be so in your face. Like, yeah, we get it. As I think an, the, subtle, an, the subtlety is big. Yeah. As an audience, we get it. Like, he, he's maybe struggling with his emotions. You don't have to throw yeah. it in our face so hard. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he does put this chip in, and they immediately start to show him having these emotions. And it starts off great, I thought. You know, he, he takes a drink of a new beverage he's never had before, and yeah. he, like, really reacts to it, but he doesn't know why. He doesn't know if he likes it or he hates it. And then he finds out like that he actually hates it. He doesn't like it, but he keeps drinking it just because it's yeah, it's a sensation that he's never felt before. So yeah. like stuff like that I thought was really interesting. If they could have gone that route and just maybe had more interesting moments like that. Um yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that's a that's a huge hit for me. That's what I'm talking about with like, yeah, that's a big that's a big thing that worked for me because it's like it was served in a shot glass. And so it's like that's like what it is with shots, right? You're like, take a shot and you're yeah. like, that was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Another, please. Yeah, right. I hated that. <laughs> so I really, have another I really one. liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was gross. I hated it. Yeah. Give me another. <laughs> Let's do two more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. So Soren tells Picard he needs to get back to the observatory because he has an experiment he needs to finish. Now, this was quite interesting because Picard is against this. He's like, no, we can't send you back. That's not possible. So I don't know if Soren was using some sort of manipulation, but he kind of like speaks what he needs again. He's like, I need to get back. It's all very time sensitive. You have to send me. And Picard changes his mind. So they don't really dig into his character at all. Uh, I I didn't look up what species he, uh, he is. Uh, I'm not, I don't think he's human because he was from another planet. No. So I don't know if they have any like mind control or anything like that, but something something was going on because it seemed like he switched Picard's idea just by saying what he wanted again. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about this, but I, I did hear him mention Borg a couple times in the movie. I don't know if he was saying just like time he spent with Borgs or, and I don't know anything about a Borg, so. Uh, well, the first thing you should know about the Borg is you don't spend time with them. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know then what he was talking about, but he said Borg like twice. If you spend time with the Borg, you are a Borg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Could he have been a Borg? No, no. His his okay. what it was was his planet was uh, like destroyed by the Borg. Oh, okay. And, and <laughs> by destroyed, I mean they they assimilate people, so they turn you into a Borg. That's how they. Oh, okay. They have okay. just they have enormous numbers because they basically just take you over. Um, and, cool. and they add you to their collective. So yeah, uh, yeah. We'll Sounds get good. we'll get uh, into the Borg. They're coming up soon okay. in this uh, in the movies, Dean. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. So Data and Jordy are investigating the observatory when Data gets the punchline to a joke from seven years earlier that he thinks is hilarious, <laughs> uh, which is funny, right? But they just overdo his laughter so much that this is yeah. where I'm ready for them to take the chip out. Right. It's okay. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't need like 30 seconds of maniacal laughter. Like right. I, I get it, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, they're yeah. they're obviously showing us that the chip's not working correctly. Right. It's yes. kind of malfunctioning. Yes. But again, it's just pretty too, impressive. It's too in my face. Yeah. Pretty impressive that uh, Jordy LaForge here could remember what he was even talking about. He can remember a joke he <laughs> <True>. made <laughs> seven oh, years ago. Hey, man. Hey, Jordy's very sharp, dude. He's very sharp. True, yeah. And great name, Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very sharp. Now, Jordy and Data find a hidden door on the observatory. Data passes out from his emotions, and Soren comes in and knocks out Jordy. Yeah. Shocking. Uh-oh. He's yeah, kinda, bad trouble. He shows up and yeah, takes him out. Didn't re- I don't know if he like did anything to Data. Data was kind of incapacitated just by himself. He didn't. He was already Data's down like and chip, out. He, he, yeah, he was like point, chip fried in his head or something. He pointed a, a weapon at him, but I don't know if he shot him or not. Data was like, no. please, please don't shoot me. Uh. Yeah. I feel like he just, whatever happened, like he short circuited in his brain. There was too much going on. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fear so, was too much and it like right. fried his brain. It's, yeah. His emotions are crippling him, which is. Again, it's yeah. an interesting concept. Like, yeah. what would you do if you never had emotions and then yeah. all of a sudden were bom- bombarded with emotions? Because as humans, like we grow up as children and you slowly have these different emotions and you learn to control yeah. them. And it takes years and years and years to do that. But data gets them all at once. And obviously yeah. it would like it would be so overwhelming that, yeah, I'd fall down on the floor, too, and like sob like a baby. Um, yeah. And not even like, not even control them, but just know what to do when they're coming, you know, know how to sort of handle them, you know, like, so fear, if it was fear for the very first time, you would just like, it would, it could cripple you because you don't, don't know what to do with that. You don't know what to do with the fear. Yeah. Now, Deanna Troy goes to see Picard because she sensed something's been bothering him. Now, Dean, what you probably didn't pick up on is that she's an empath, so she can sense emotions. So yeah. they dropped a few nuggets where like something happens to him and she, she gets, she just feels it. Like she feels something's up yeah. and might like throw him a look. Um, but you know, doesn't know what's going on. Just knows that his emotional state has changed. Yeah. My, uh, my wife, uh, let me know about everybody on the crew. She oh, let okay, me know cool. about her because she, this was the series that she watched. She watched, okay. um, uh, next generation. Next Gen. So she knew, every, she knew, she knew everyone and she let me in on everything. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I was like, why is that guy wearing that visor? You know, like she let me know every uh, in on everything. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So we learn that Picard's brother and his brother's son were killed in a fire, which is very sad. 
it hits Picard very hard because his nephew was the one to carry on the Picard bloodline. Right. So that bloodline is going to end in a yeah. very tragic way. And Picard is taking it very, very hard. Yeah. Now, as it turns out, Soren is doing bad things with his experiments, Dean. We mm. see him collapse a star, which I thought was very cool. Oh, he yeah. Could do that. Looked awesome. And then he beams aboard a Klingon ship with Geordi. Now, what we learn is that Soren is trying to get back to the energy ribbon because it's a doorway to another place, a place mm. of pure joy. Sounds great. It does sound really good. <laughs> now, by collapsing stars, Soren is able to change gravity in that region and sort of like redirect where the ribbon is going. And he only needs to collapse one more star to put the ribbon on a crash course that will intersect with him. And it'll yeah. take him back into the ribbon uh, yeah. to that nexus. But if he collapses that star... 230 million people in that system will be killed. Right, yeah. So this shit. is, yeah, oh, big shit. So this yeah. is um, this is what Enterprise has to stop, is the death yeah. of 230 million people. The death of a whole planet. Um, I, I love this idea because uh, at the beginning, we saw two ships very close to the ribbon and they blew up. So the thing is that when you get close to this ribbon, you feel this great euphoria. You're going to this magical place, but electronics blow up yeah. so like all the ships just blow up if they get close so there's no way to get close to the ribbon no one can do it no one can get back to it without their ships blowing up so he changes the course of it to just intercept with where he's going to be standing which i think is awesome i think that's so cool um yeah i, I loved this idea it was really cool yeah i was yeah. definitely down with it as well so picard obviously wants to get geordie back makes a deal with the klingons to trade himself for geordie mm-hmm and also to then beam him down to the planet where Soren is so he can try to talk him out of destroying the sun. Yeah. We see Soren has messed with Geordi's visor and the Klingons are now seeing everything that he sees when he's back on the Enterprise. Right. And dude, this was my favorite part of the movie. These two female Klingons in charge of the Klingon ship watching Geordi walk around the Enterprise... Yeah. Was hilarious. It really was. They did such a great job. They were such great characters. So Jordy wanders to engineering. He walks past a console. The Klingons zoom in on the console to find the Enterprise's shield modulation. They compensate for that and immediately start blowing the shit out of the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, I just thought this was great. They're cursing Jordy as he's just walking the halls. They're like, don't they have stuff to do? Don't they have important things yeah. to do? He's just, he's just walking around chatting with people. They're so frustrated. They just want him to like give them information. They, oh, man, I love them so much. They were so funny. They were like, he's the only engineer who doesn't spend time in engineering. <laughs> like they were, just, they were so frustrated that he was just like chatting to people and wasn't going to his workstation because they needed him to, they need to see that frequency that they needed to set their pulses at. So cool. I love that idea too, that they just like learn the frequency of the ship or whatever, and are able to fire through it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely love that. Also bird of prey being in the movie is great. Cause that ship fucking Always rules. Great. So yep. This whole part was amazing. Like, this is where I'm just sitting there watching it and being like, 
this movie is awesome. I'm really into it. It was really good because as they're following Jordy, in my mind, I'm half expecting them to be like trying to figure out a much more elaborate plot, like planning something sure. yeah. much, much bigger. Um, you know, maybe they're going to spy on Jordy for a couple months and get like real yeah. secrets and details. But the very first chance that they get to blow up the Enterprise, they take it. And it was just they immediate. They're like, there's yeah. a shield modulation. Compensate fire torpedoes. And it's just, they just start blowing the ship up. I was like, that's awesome. Those yeah, those it, two, the female, like the captain and the commander there, like I would watch an entire movie of them. Easy. For sure. I'd watch a series yeah. based on them. They were so much fun. I just, I loved them so much. Yeah. It was them being hilarious, even up right to the end there where they like see what they're supposed to see and they just run to their like <laughs> guns. They're so happy to just run to their guns and start totally. shooting. It was so funny. It was so fast. I love when things happen yeah. that fast. Yes, for sure. It was very fun. So we do get like a pretty decent ship battle here with the Enterprise and the Bird of Prey, but ultimately the Enterprise is able to get the upper hand. They destroy the Klingons and put an end to the best part of the film. Yeah, true. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, I would say they do. that. That's where the, the film peaks right there. Oh, definitely for me. Now the Enterprise is badly damaged from this attack and it's about to explode. So they need to execute the saucer separation which I always mm. think is cool. Uh, yeah. They've only done it a handful of times, but whenever that happens, you know, like shit has hit the fan. You know, right. you don't just like, you know, you're not just out for a, a Sunday cruise in the Enterprise and you just like, hey, let's go for a saucer separation, everybody. No, it's like half the ship's about to blow. We need to save yeah. all the people. It's so. not a convertible top-down situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, let's put, let's take the top down and have a good time here. Yeah, let's drop the back off, you know, hook up a tow <laughs> rope, and you can go uh, <laughs> go water skiing on the backside of the Enterprise. Exactly. It's not like that. It's um, No, it's not. Bad things are happening if you separate that ship. Yeah. But they always make a big deal. It's always very cinematic when it happens. That's what I think I For like sure, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an escape escape situation where you have to escape a ship but you're still going to be able to stay on it you know so yeah. they get to they get to put both those scenarios together so it's very exciting yeah it's like an escape pod but it's like yeah yeah 75 of your ship is the escape pod right yeah <laughs> yeah so the saucer ends up getting hit by the explosion from the other half uh big explosion because the other half had the warp core that's why they had to separate and uh um, right that thing just blows huge and uh, you know, the impact of that explosion hits that saucer, sends them flying towards a nearby planet, and they crash land on that planet. And this was a great crash landing. Tons of damage outside the ship, inside the ship. There's people flying all over the place. Flying. Explosions everywhere. Yeah. They really milked this crash scene, man. Oh, this yeah. was one of the longest crash scenes I've ever seen. Like yeah. normally a ship will come in, it'll hit the ground and slide for a bit and then come to a stop. This one, it just would not stop, which I, I almost feel like is a little bit more realistic. Like a ship of this right, size, yeah. it wouldn't just yeah. hit and stop. It would hit and I don't know, maybe go for like three or four miles because it's so yeah, big exactly. and that's what yeah. this did it just kept going and going and going and taking so more great. and more damage it was yeah i liked it it was really long but i liked it 
I loved it. I think it looked great from the outside. I think it looked great on the inside with everyone flying everywhere, bouncing oh, everywhere. Yeah. Like the stunts were amazing. I thought about you in this whole scene because I know you love crash scenes. I know we've talked about you just loving like ships crashing when it's like done well. And yeah. I was like, this is a good one. He's going to like this. Uh, I definitely got the feeling like many people on board died. I know. I know. I was thinking like, why don't they have seatbelts? Uh, that's a good question. They need to sit down and, and buckle in. They're standing on this ship. That's why they're getting thrown. <laughs> Come on, people. Buckle in. Yeah. Why don't they have airbags? <laughs> well, why yeah, don't the I rooms don't just fill up with airbags so everyone's safe? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Not a good movie that way, I guess. Never thought about that. Too busy building holodecks and food replicators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too busy having part dress-up parties. <laughs> they're basically open the movie having a dress-up party. <laughs> uh totally too busy playing dress up <laughs> to consider the safety of the crew to consider like seatbelts and airbags for a crash i'll tell you what though if i'm on that ship and i have access to yeah. a holodeck fuck figuring out seatbelts i'm True, spending yeah. all my time on that holodeck for sure you know i guess i guess if the ship's crashing the the move is go to the holodeck and just yeah. be like you know, uh, turn on program, whatever, 75 pillows, beta. Yeah. The airbag <laughs> yeah. simulation. Exactly. <laughs> and just exactly. get in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Now, down on the planet with Picard and Soren, Picard isn't able to stop him, and Soren collapses the star, killing 230 million people, Dean, as well yeah. as the Enterprise, which crashed on that planet. So, great moment. You know, pretty shocking, yep. pretty exciting. My jaw dropped. I actually, my jaw dropped. I looked at my wife. I was like, what's going on? Like, yeah. How, how what are we going to do? Who's turning back time? How's this going to happen? What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. So Picard is in the ribbon now because the you know, yeah. after this star gets collapsed, the ribbon comes and it hits Soren, exactly what he was looking for. But Picard's yeah. there too. So he's now in the Nexus. They're both in the Nexus. And we get to see what that's like, Dean. We get to see what pure joy is like. Now, I'm always a fan of trippy sequences in Star Trek movies. I always like when we might, you know, be kind of starting one. And I'm like, oh, what's this one going to be like? Right. They're all so interesting and different and bizarre. Yeah. So I'm like, here we go again. Let's have a cool one. So we see green light and we see blue light and we see red light and... Oh, it's Christmas time. Yeah. And then we see Picard has a family. He has five kids that love him and a wife. And his nephew is there as well, Dean. Yeah. And all is well and the end. Exactly, Tim. All is well Great and movie. the end. Great movie. Great movie. You did it. Picard stuck in the um, Nexus. Be- He's finally got his family. His nephew's alive. Yes. Great movie. Yes. Five out of five. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Yes, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, wow, this is beautiful. I'm like saying the word beautiful at the movie at this oh, yeah. point. Wow, it's what Christmas. a beautiful moment. <laughs> yeah, what a beautiful moment. What beautiful. a beautiful movie. It's Christmas time. His family's there. They're opening gifts. They love him. He's finally got what he want, like what he never had. He was he was regretting it before. He doesn't have to worry anymore. He's there. He gets to spend his time there for eternity. Perfect. Credits roll. Great movie. They love him so much. They love I've him so never much. seen a family love <laughs> the, the dad 
more than these so kids much. love love this dad. Uh his house is amazing <laughs> it's beautiful. also. Like, it's yeah. beautiful. Everything it's great. everything it's right, it's pure joy. It's Christmas. Pure joy. House is yeah. beautiful. No lights on, just candles everywhere. It uh, feels warm. Yeah. I'm my body's warmed by the scene. My heart yeah. is warmed. Great movie. I didn't know what pure joy was till I <laughs> saw neither. it and I said, Oh, this is it. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, This is pure joy. If I had to guess though, Christmas would have been in there somewhere. I think that's a good call. Right. Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't see any eggnog, but I'm sure there was some there. There was there had to have been on the table. Yeah. Great movie though. I loved it. Can't, can't it was good. It was so one. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, wait, wait. That's not the end, actually. That's... There's forty five minutes left. Yeah, there's still <laughs> quite a bit left. Um you know what I'm wondering though, Dean? What do you think Soren is seeing? Oh, wow. I kind of wish they showed us Soren's like pure joy. Like, what's he getting back to? Yeah. I want to see that. That's a good point. I, I never did see, like, obviously we didn't see that. I never did think of that because, you know, all this other stuff's happening. And, yeah. you know, I just never really thought of that. But that's a really good point. I want to see what's like, what what is this joy that he experienced before that he's got to get back to? I'm sure it was just very similar to this. Probably. It was probably just like a, a loving family or something like that. Like maybe, uh, yeah, maybe like his wife. I think he said something about his wife and kid, you know, so he's probably just back with them. Like yeah, the board killed beautiful. them. So he, he probably just wanted yeah. to get back to them. I want to see exactly. that. I want to see that. I think yeah. it, uh, that would be good character development for him. Yeah. Um, it, it would do it would do more for him. We don't get like a lot out of him. We know he wants to go back there yeah. and all that, but show me why, you know? Take a bit of time to show me why. Yeah. I guess if they want the if they want to still set up the the ending, if they want to still set up that, you know, maybe he loses in a in a drastic way, maybe they can't show us any of that, but I think you still can though. Just because yeah, you just can. because he's okay. sympathetic, you know, I think you yeah. can still do what you want to do with him. Okay. You just yeah. give us a bit of his backstory, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I, he, I can still go, it. he can still go down for doing the things he's done and like True. have a loving Right, because he did kill 230 million people to get <laughs> to get there. He did. It was a bad call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad call. That was a bad call. <laughs> for sure. Now, in that nexus, uh, we see Guinan, and she says like a part of her still exists there because she's been there right. before. She's like a extraterrestrial being of some type her her species okay. is very unique um they have a way of like they can sort of like uh figure out changes in like timelines or or any oh anytime cool. like time is changed or something like that it is being affected they have like a an extra sensory perception to that so that awesome. they're like in tune to that. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Q, but they're like a, like an, omnip, an omnipotent race. They're basically right. like okay. a race of gods. Yeah. And Guinan and her people were said to have like fought them. And like they were okay. powerful enough to like fight them. Yeah. And they have resisted the Borg or okay. at least fought them. So they didn't win, but they didn't just all get assimilated. Like some of them actually, yeah. they died in battle, which is right. okay. more than like what a lot of people can say. You normally, you just get assimilated. So she's a very interesting character, very interesting species, uh, but she's something of her is still in this nexus. Okay, cool. And uh, she tells Picard that he can move forward and backwards through time 
in the neck in the nexus to see his family at any, any point he wants um very quickly though i did like this picard wants to leave he knows he has to get back to stop Soren, but he also needs help. Yeah, I'm okay that he wants to leave. Um, even though I'm so happy he's here, I'm like, just stay, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But I am <laughs> like, those people still died, right? So it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. He uh, he wants to leave. So I was on I was on board with that. I was on board with him leaving. This is definitely his character. Like if you watch Next Gen... Okay. This yeah, this, yeah. this is one hundred percent in his character. The duty. Yeah, the duty. He's like been through scenarios like this before. Um, he's so steadfast, you know, to do the right thing that this is just completely within, you know, the believability of his character. Yeah. Now Guinan says she knows someone who can help out. And we cut to Kirk chopping wood at a cabin in the woods. And Picard now has to convince Kirk to leave pure joy and go back with him. So very cool. Big scene. This is the very first time these two mega captains have ever been on screen together. When I was watching it, I mean, I've seen it before. Watching it this time, I still felt like how huge of a moment this was. Like, yeah. it's just watching these two guys on screen together, bantering back and forth. It's a really, really great movie moment. Yeah, honestly, it is. A, yeah, it is a great movie moment. It is a great scene. Um, they're both crushing it. Like it's, it's, it is a really good scene. It's really fun too, and it's funny. Um, I'm just, I don't want him to convince Kirk. Like I want Kirk to stay there. Like Kirk. So obviously, this happened when he like saved the day, and he got you know fell out of the ship and fell into the ribbon. He's good. You know, he he died he died or whatever. He's 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 saved the ship. You know, he did his duty, he did his thing. He's experiencing pure joy now. I wanted him to stay. Yeah, same man. Yeah. Uh he wanted to stay. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, good. You stay. You go find your girlfriend. You yeah. go propose to her. This is excellent. Yeah, you're so old. Just stay. <laughs> so old. So this, you know, scene with the two of them. This is what really propelled my want to see the two crews battling each other. Because yeah, that they, makes sense. They were so great, kind of like yeah. as as comrades. I just think having them as enemies, figuring out a way to have them as enemies, would have been some of the greatest Star Trek shit ever. It would have ruled. Yeah, it, it right. would have ruled. Yeah. But uh, Kirk is very joyous to be back at his house. And we're at the day before he told his girlfriend that he was going back to Starfleet. Yeah. So I found it very interesting that their joys are similar. And even Soren's joy, we're, we're assuming, is similar. Yeah. Kirk's joy being a time when he was with his family and Picard's being the family that he always wanted. So it's all about family. Yep. It's great. Uh, you know, the movie has a lot of heart going on. Uh, it, it, For sure. it really, more so than any of the other movies so far, it really digs into the characters much better than what we've seen before. Yeah. Um, I feel like when they're digging into characters in these movies and like giving us heart, it's actually for the bad guys. It's like the bad guys are the mm. ones who have suffered and they're 
um, lashing out because of that, because of their pain and suffering and seeking revenge. But in this movie, there's like many members of the crew who are the ones who are suffering. And they kind of like, they, they give us that and they work with that. Like Picard is suffering with the loss of his brother and nephew. And Kirk is dealing with morality, really. You know, like yeah. being old and coming to an end, like his career is coming to an end. Data is trying to figure out how to deal with his emotions. And Guinan and Soren are dealing with the loss of like pure joy of coming out of the Nexus. So yeah. it was a really interesting character piece for those characters. And not really something I was used to seeing in a Star Trek movie up to this point. And one of the reasons why I really, really liked this movie. Yeah. And even um, Riker, who like, because um, it, because uh, 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 Picard is off the ship for a lot of this movie, Riker's got to kind of step up and be the, the captain. And like, you kind of get a lot from him too, even though I like, I don't really know him that well. I was like, I get it. I kind of get from him that this is his moment to sort of step up and take control. And he does like, a kick-ass job you know he's awesome at it um so i think that's why i just absolutely fell in love with this crew because there's all that there's all this depth to them just in this one movie and and they all have like they got unique abilities they're all different races they're all different species you know that it, it was just i just fell in love with them. i i just like totally uh, was connecting with like each and every member yeah same so as i was saying that and thinking that i really like this movie uh it just came to me are we supposed to rank these movies at the end? So, Tim, I don't know if you saw me shuffling around like five minutes ago. I was looking for my book with the rankings okay. because I was like, oh, shit, we have to rank. We're supposed to rank these, right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. consider <laughs> that part of the show. So Me neither. <laughs> okay. We will rank them. Okay. We'll rank them at the end. We'll, we'll figure out the placements of everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that, that we figured that much out because I'd hate to leave the listeners without the yes. ranking that of they're course, expecting. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. It'll be a, a bit of an impromptu ranking. Yeah. So Kirk is being Kirk and he's being difficult, Dean. <laughs> he doesn't want to go back. I don't blame him. Great. He says the universe owes him this. I would tend to agree. Of course. You're good. You're done. Sit in joy. Live in joy. Yeah. We get a short horseback scene, Dean. Ugh. This is my Star Trek pet peeve. I don't want to see horseback. I don't want to see Star Trekkers yeah. on horseback. Please yeah. stop. You liked it. You said you liked it before. Why? I like it. Why? Why? It, it, I don't expect it. I don't expect someone getting on a horse. Why not? They're on a planet. Get on a horse and ride around. It's fine. Okay. I guess. If the, Tim, if they were doing it on the side of a ship, then yeah, I'd have a problem with it. But they did, <laughs> they did it on a planet. So I was like, oh, yeah, good. I like it. Very nice scene. Very nice. <laughs> It's even worse on the side of a ship, but uh, yeah. It's even worse on the side of a ship. This was enough. This was enough. Too much. Too much. Uh, I, hate, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it's all good. Camping. You don't. You don't camp. Yeah, in Star I was going to say it's very similar riding. to camping. You don't do that yeah. in Star Trek. That's yeah. unnecessary. Okay. That's fine. Kirk does eventually realize that nothing in the Nexus is real, and he agrees to go with Picard. But before. He goes, he gives Picard some advice. He says, never retire, never get promoted, and never get a transfer because while he's there, he can make a difference. So I thought that was good. I thought that was nice. Like Kirk's sharing with Picard 
things from his past that have caused him grief, right? Like he retired. Yeah. He got promoted so that he would, wouldn't have his ship anymore. And that didn't work out for him, right? He always kind of found yeah. his way back to being a captain. So he's sort of like passing on his knowledge from the previous movies to Picard now for Picard to take this franchise forward. And I thought it was a nice moment. Yeah, yeah I feel I, I feel the moment between sort of, I like it between the two guys who are like really um, obsessed with, you know, like the honor and sort of the, you know, uh, you know, protecting the ship, being the captain, all that stuff. I did like that moment between the two, but it's for me very sad after we just saw their joyous places with family and then basically to end it to leave the joyous place with family kirk is like work until you die <laughs> you know so that was it i think it fits of who the two men are i think it really fits but it was also sad in the same in the same time for me yeah i get that maybe not so sad for picard though because he doesn't have a family like he doesn't have that no i know but he he wants one though so but, if he works till he dies man, he's never going to get one dude, i know he's he's pretty old already late. he's not having pretty five old. kids now you know it's I, too I late guess for not. that yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Kirk's saying, like, yeah, don't worry about that. You can make such a difference in the universe just by staying yeah. on course and being a captain because you're a great captain. Yeah. So we get back to where Picard was trying to stop Soren, but now Kirk is there as well to help. They work together to stop Soren, but in the process, Kirk takes a huge fall off a collapsing bridge. Picard is able to disrupt the launcher, causing it to self-destruct and kill Soren. And Picard goes to find Kirk, battered under hundreds of pounds of steel. He's somehow still alive. Kirk says, it was fun and dies. Now, I don't like this one bit. No, <laughs> it's not good. I don't like this, okay? This no. is a terrible way for Captain James T. Kirk to go out. Of course. And here's my biggest problem with it. Forget that he fell off a bridge. Forget that a bridge collapsed. Something yeah. that you would never see happen in any of the episodes yeah. with James T. Kirk. This would never happen, but it did. Okay, yeah. they decided to do it. Yeah. Here's my biggest problem with this. They so easily could have just found a way to get him back to the Nexus. Just beam him to the ribbon, you know, as he's yep. dying or beforehand. Beam him there. Let him have that life that he always wanted. Instead, he falls off a bridge and he's crushed by it. Yep. Uh, what? It's bad. It could have been such a happy ending if Kirk gets to that nexus and that's his life he's at pure joy of course why won't you send captain kirk to pure joy after all he's been through you took him away you took him away from pure joy to bury him under a bridge this is your idea of how captain james t kirk should go yeah. out he's on a bridge it falls and it crushes him to death. Fuck off. That's your plan? Tim. That's a terrible and he, plan. 
Tim, then he gets buried on that planet that he has no ties to. Nobody's ever going to go visit him there. Why does he get buried there? He like, says it was fun. What was fun? It was fun. And Getting smashed said, by it, a steel bridge? It was fun. He's probably talking about his time in the ribbon. That was <laughs> yeah. fun. That was actually pretty fun. I shouldn't have come back Beat here. Beat me to the fucking ribbon. What? I agree, Tim. They can't. I hate it. Uh, this is stupid. They can't figure out yeah. how to get these two ships fighting. And this is their way to kill off James T. Kirk. James Tiberius Kirk, defeated by a bridge. It doesn't roll off your tongue. No. Not like battled a Klingon with his bare hands to the death, or battled 30 Klingons to the death, killed 27, and then was killed himself. No. Defeated by a bridge. Fell off a bridge. And, okay, the whole bridge thing is, like, totally unnecessary anyways. The cloaking of the missile, and then, like, they needed him to jump across to that bridge that was falling to get the uh, de-cloaking device or whatever. It's like, what is even going on there? Like, I don't even know what's happening. Is it just cloaked? Because you know where it is, so just, like, blow it up or whatever. And if it's gone, if it's actually gone, then good. It's not going to blow up the sun. Like, what What are we doing here? Where did it go? What? Did, <laughs> I don't care. Like, what? why is it there? Yeah sucks tim it sucks and i also hated it send him to the nexus just can you just yeah. send him to the nexus how how do they not realize that they could just send him to the nexus like just send him there obviously i think you have to leave out the part where he's in the nexus and he says this is all fake just leave right. that out make him yeah. make him realize duty is more important yes he, exactly then he leaves thinking the nexus is real he leaves then beam his ass back into the Nexus as a final yeah. moment. And he's living there for all of eternity in joy. He's so great. Yeah. Every, you make every single Star Trek fan in the universe happy. But instead, yeah. we're all just like, yeah, a bridge fell on him. It's such a huge misstep because when I saw him in the Nexus, I was so happy. I was so happy for him because yeah, we already man. found out what the Nexus was. They already explained to us. It was pure joy. It's great. I saw him there. I was like, yes, what a great ending you just did for Kirk. And then they pull him out of there and they bury him under a bridge. Fuck off. I hated yeah. it. I love these writers, but fuck off with this one. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I like about the entire sequence, uh, he, the part where the bridge actually falls down and he's on the bridge looks fucking great i like rewound it it rules yeah, yeah. he might have got killed for real <laughs> he might have actually, like, that oh. maybe that's how, why they had to do it because he actually died there <laughs> yikes yeah yikes oh great horrible horrible moment though horrible moment horrible moment hated it yeah it, it's what like the movie is so good up to that that whole like sort of ending part. Like I don't like that ending part at all, yeah. but I still enjoy the movie quite a lot. Yeah. Also, William Shatner died there for real. The person that died the there for real. is a robot. Yeah. yeah. But that's cool. Shit. Anyways, Starfleet sends ships to rescue the crew. Uh they're back now, right? Because uh they've gone yeah. back. They've stopped the sun from collapsing, so the Enterprise isn't destroyed. 230 million people have been saved. And while most of the crew are alive, the Enterprise itself is dead. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. They're just like, no, this ship, like, after that type yeah. of a landing, it's it's done. <laughs> like, we're, yeah, like we're it, just yeah. going to leave it here. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not going to come back for any parts or anything. <laughs> There's no Done. coming back for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Data has decided to leave his emotion chip in and will learn okay. to control his emotions. Uh, okay. This is great. Like Picard earlier in the yep. movie, he had a, a talk with Data and he's like, you know, we all have these emotions. You just have to learn to deal with them. So Data is going to learn to deal with them. We see Riker and Picard say a final farewell to the ship. Picard says, what we leave behind is not as important as how we've lived and the end. Good. Uh, very good. Yeah, good movie. Much better than I thought. I have to apologize to everyone because I did say after the last episode that this movie is where things start to go bad. This is where the franchise drops off. That's not true. I apologize for no. being a liar. Uh, it it kind of like this was a the breath of fresh air the franchise needed to yeah. give it the legs to go you know another few movies without this movie it probably ends at the last movie you know this was like a shot of uh, adrenaline into the franchise and yeah yeah I was down with it I liked it yeah for me uh, new crew don't know anything about them um, just charmed the pants off me pretty early I was just. It won me over. I was totally into it. And then for me, it just kept going. Like, yeah, by the time I was in the middle of the movie, I was just, I was loving it. I was just like, oh, this is great. Like, I am so pleased with what's happening here. I didn't know that it would be like this. You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I did know that I, I felt like everyone thinks this group of movies is worse than the first group of movies. So I was expecting it to sort of go down, yeah, um, downhill, but uh, very, very much enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was great. So we're going to do our rankings. As it turns out, we haven't been ranking these movies all along no. the way. <laughs> no. I went back to some... Which is why we can't find our rankings. <laughs> I went back to some. Went back to my notes to try to look for my, my rankings here, Dean. They don't exist. And yeah. I think it's because what happened in our last episode was that we were wrapping up the kind of like old crew movies or the original crew yeah. movies. So we decided to rank those movies. But... I mean, since we're doing it, let's just rank them. Ranking is fun. Let's keep going. Let's just keep yeah, going with sure. it. I'm, I'm surprised it took us till, you know, movie six to rank them. I don't know why yeah. we weren't ranking them from the beginning. We That's something we do. We rank movies. Yeah. Why we just we decided not to. <laughs> yeah. It's probably probably a dumb idea from me. It was a bad call. Uh, it was a bad call. Yeah. I, I make bad calls too, everybody. I'm yeah. sometimes. I'm only human. Not often. I'm only human. Okay, so Dean, why don't you go first? Give us your sure. rankings of the seven Star Trek movies that we've gone through. All right, bottom to top here, number seven, Search for Spock. Then Final Frontier, Undiscovered Country, Generations, this movie, at, sitting at number four. Then Voyage Home, Wrath of Khan, and then at the top, the one that everyone thinks is boring, <laughs> the motion picture. Very nice. Okay, yeah. we're sort of close. So at number seven, I have the sixth movie in the franchise, The Undiscovered Country. At number six, I have the third movie in the franchise, The Search for Spock. At number five, I have the fifth movie, The Final Frontier. And then our top four are the same, Dean. At number four, I have Generations, the seventh movie. Then I have The Voyage Home, the fourth movie, Wrath of Khan, the second movie, 
number one, the motion picture. So really quick, the motion, the motion picture is just like the, the truest sci-fi movie out of any of these movies. Love it's it. just, it's a, it's yeah. a work of art, 10 out of 10 great movie. Yeah. Wrath of Khan. That was my Star Trek movie as a kid. I, yeah. it was so much fun. I watched it over and over and over again. I wanted my own SETI eel in a, in a, in a terrarium. Right. <laughs> um, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> the Voyage Home, by far the funniest Star Trek movie there is. It, it is yep. so humorous. It's so much fun. And then Generations, just these two crews coming together. And, you know, with all the things that we said didn't work in this movie, so much did. So much just, yeah. you know, it, it exceeded the bad in, in such a great way that I can I can put this at number four. And if they had found yeah. a way, Dean, to make some of these hey. things that were bad good, like this this easily could have made it to possibly number two. Uh, or number, yeah. who knows, maybe even number one. There's such a, like a great um, yeah. like uh, foundation for a, a, a very, very high, you know, top top movie here but it just didn't it didn't come to fruition but then the other three uh you know they're they're kind of just whatever they're fine you know they're all interchangeable for me they have fun fun parts you know yeah they're not great movies overall but whatever i can i can all i can watch them all again so yeah oh for sure yeah i like them all i'd watch them all again uh you're right this movie has good energy and that energy is a good base for it and could have went could have went higher if they tightened some stuff up Cool. Well, that was fun. I'm very much looking forward to getting to the next one, which I didn't think I would be. I thought this was going to be, you know, right. the end of the roller coaster here. But no, we're just uh, we're going back up another uh, another uh, arc here. So I'm, I'm looking forward nice. to the next one. Cool. All right, everyone listening, if you're looking for a way to support Talking Back, here's a few ways you can do that. You could start by telling your friends about us, uh, share this episode with them, share one of your, one of your other favorites. That'd be great. You could leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. You could send us a donation on buymeacoffee.com slash talking back, or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talking back podcast. And now that this episode is over, don't worry, head on over to the BFOP network, which is a nexus of joy Check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like, or we'll give you a free beam out of the Nexus. Great. (laughs) Dean, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get